Welcome to our next episode of the 5 Moments of Need Performance Matters series. This is Bob Mosier, one of the many co-hosts you'll meet throughout this series. So friends, are you trying to learn more about the 5 Moments of Need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them and even sell them as an approach to your enterprise. Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology and offer proven ways to put the five moments of need into practice. Well, friends, welcome back to another session of our Performance Matters podcast series. Bob Mosier here. Great to have you, one of your co-hosts of this podcast series. And we'd like to welcome back another co-host and my dear colleague and friend, Dr. Con Gopferson. Welcome, Con. As always, Bob, it's great to be with you and to be talking about a very important topic. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, friends, first, um, before we go any further, we've been doing a bunch of these. This is about our 11th podcast, I think. So we want to be sure that we're, you're finding these helpful. So please feel free. You can leave comments in your app or whatever podcasting, iTunes or whatever you're using. And please leave us feedback around how we can continue to make these better topics, format, guests. Really, we want to hear any and all feedback so we can make these better. We're ways into them and would, it's time to take a breath and and get some good feedback. So this particular session, as you guys know, is that we have these focus areas. Strategy matters. Technology matters. Methodology matters. Experience matters. Right? In this particular one, we're going to talk about an incredibly strategic issue that Khan brought up a moment ago that we is, we will put in the Strategy Matters series and with some dabbling, though, into methodology because it is kind of a bit of <laughs> what's it's, in here. Yeah, it's hard not to <laughs> touch a little bit of method. So we'll reference those. So today we're going to take a strong run, my friend, at what's becoming a super hot topic in our industry. And this is this thing that's being currently called workflow learning. You know, as any new approach, I think it's really important that we take time once in a while to step back, be sure our industry has had a clear understanding of how things are playing out. Ken, you know this about me, but vocabulary is a big deal. I I think our industry throws terms out and then reacts or defines. And I think it leaves often our learners in limbo a bit. So, so let me throw something at you, my friend, and you react. So, I, so here's the th- here's the deal for me. Workflow learning. Let's nail it from the perspective of which we see it, and I think is defendable. But the, the the big thing with workflow learning is it is not information available in the workflow. It's enabling a learner to learn or be supported. That's a big thing to discuss because it's not just learning, but be supported while doing their work. E-learning, for instance, and other modalities have thrown around the acronym JIT or just in time because they are available when or in the workflow. You know, and and, and guys, we've agreed all along, and clearly it's vetted out. That is a compelling logistic availability, ease of use, and clearly a powerful economic model, not taking people out of the workflow for three days, five days of instruction. But here's the thing. You still have to step away from your work, in this case, cognitively, for instance. You know, you're not maybe leaving your seat, but you're not in your working where you've launched an LMS to consume. So friend, true workflow learning is done in parallel, not alongside. It's done while getting work done. It instructs, informs, and supports three, frankly, different things while doing the job. Do you agree? This is a crucial distinction. And we have a great deal of misunderstanding in our conversations around workflow learning because of it. Real workflow learning is learning, as you said, as you do your job, as you do your work. That's real, genuine workflow learning. 
Mm-hmm. Many people in their discussion or their approach to workflow learning have said, well, you know, as long as you're in the workflow, we'll do micro learning and that's workflow learning. And in a sense, you know, micro learning, a little learning nugget, a little learning burst in the workflow can be a very rudimentary workflow learning, but the power The real power of workflow learning is just what you said. It's enabling people to learn as they do their work so that they don't have to stop work in order to learn. And that's the distinction. The cost to organizations of work stoppage is what workflow learning can address. And we've got to understand that in our conversations around this very important practice. Yeah, you know, it's been around a while, right? Experiential learning, There's, there's research to fill a house about how we learn best. And when you move the stimuli close to the behavior, right, the probability of retention and application is just super. And I really like this distinction, Con, of instructs, informs, and supports because all too often we wear the training hat in our business. Everything's about training, moving training into the workflow, frankly, e-learning and such into the workflow. And yeah, we we have historically been about instruction. And, And that is a part of what the workflow needs. But I think informing and supporting while doing is equally as important, if not, because they're in context, maybe more powerful. Oh, yeah, because in traditional learning, we have what we call train, and then you've got to transfer that. The learner has to somehow move through the transfer process of taking whatever it is that we've learned and then transferring it to their job. That is contextualizing it to their own work. Well, when you have real workflow learning, the transfer is there. There's Mm -hmm. there's no stopping work. There's no transfer. It's that I am transferred to the context of my job learning as I actually do my work. And so it's faster, more economic in terms of of the learning process and really more powerful as long as I can do that safely. Yeah. And again, you guys, I think we're just so myopic in our business sometimes. We're just too narrow focused on the instruct side. Making assets available, informing and supporting, I think is so super part of this. So, Con, you talk about context a number of times. You've made reference to that. And since I've gotten into this deeper and got involved in the five moments and watched the methodology play out, a huge aha came to me and how little I realized as an ID, I truly knew the workflow. I mean, I, I knew what a SME wanted me to teach. I knew what a SME wanted me to have people understand. I knew what the software, or, or I was told the software that somebody should ultimately use. That's not workflow. That's what is inflicted on the workflow and has to be contextualized. So, yeah. so I think for years, my friend, in our needs analysis, our task analysis, we go right to the content, pivot on the content, pivot on the system, skipping this huge understanding of what is the workflow first. And without it, you do not have workflow learning. So help us understand what are we fundamentally identifying when we do workflow design? What are, what are the components that we go after? This is the key. I've yet to walk into an organization that truly <laughs> understands their workflow. And that's startling. It's tragic, really. But how does an organization really take control of how their people do their work if they're blind to just that, the workflow? And so we have in the history of our methodology, job task analysis, this notion of identifying the job tasks. And that is the beginning, the foundational, knowing what the tasks are. But then we have to organize those tasks into workflow process. And that we haven't done very well. The whole process management 
that has been around forever was disengaged from tasks. And so what we've done over these many years is merge those two worlds, the whole process analysis and job task analysis into what we call rapid workflow analysis. Mm. But you've got to map the workflow. And it's that mapping of the workflow that lets us create the context that provides people just in time access to just what they need at the moment of need to be able to learn in the workflow. Fundamental. And we have another podcast on the performance support pyramid and the tip is context. Yeah. The tip tip is the workflow. Without that, if you're coming at the wrong place, wrong time, we hear this all the time, just in time, just enough, just the right thing. Those are great things to throw around. But my question is an idea is how do I know I am doing those three things? We need an analysis. We need a design model. We need a methodology that lets us do that. And rapid workflow analysis helps us systematically identify those things. So, Con, let's go through some principles fundamentally about, let's kind of step back, right? That, that, that makes workflow learning work. And, and it kind of digs down deeper as we go to each. So I'll start. The bottom line is, if it's not embedded in the workflow, it doesn't work, right? I mean, we have to be sure we understand the context of the work. There's the workflow, but there's also, frankly, the physical context in which the learner can consume. If it's a system, embed it. That sounds great. But if you're a leader, if you're doing, and we've done this, right? Common myth, you can't do soft skills with this stuff. Well, absolutely you can. But again, the, but maybe a little more challenging than embedding in a system like a help system. You have to figure out for a leader, how would you embed in their workflow in, information, instruction, so on, so that they can consume effectively and intrinsically? Yeah, the only way that I can learn as I do my work is if I have access to what I need to do that learning as I do my work. And so if you can't get there, you can't get there. Absolutely. If that makes sense. Uh, It does. It does. It's the first hurdle. And we hear it all the time. SharePoint's great. And by the way, we love SharePoint, but people say it's just too confusing. It's too overwhelming. It's not available. Coaching. We'll talk about people in a bit. But one problem with coaches, frankly, is they may not be around. That's that, that fundamental availability and accessibility is embedded. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, so we've got the thing embedded. We know, we know whether it's, it's a system, it's a, it's a mobile, it's a paper-based number of ways to embed, right? Contextual. How is that important as a next principle of this working? When I come at my work, I have a job role. I'm at some point in my work and all of a sudden I need to learn. Well, context is, has everything to do with my ability to get to what I need in the context of the work that I'm doing right now. So when we talk about mapping to the workflow, you know, creating a workflow map, I've got to be able to contextually get to that, i.e. embedded, but it's then got to fit my job role, my circumstance, where I am. And that's so important. We try to solve that with search, (laughs) which just doesn't work. And so here's the next thing. Here's where I think we go wrong, Con, a lot if we nail those first two. If we embed well and we make things contextual, we pile on stuff. There's this this misconception, in my opinion, about adults and adult learning is that more – how could more not be better? They're adults. They can – well, that's wrong. A lot of it's driven by the context. If I'm in one of the five moments of need, particularly, let's say, solve, I am not in the mood for an asset that's going to take me 20 minutes to get out of that. Oh, yeah. 
I, this whole principle of just enough and the right kind of just enough is so yeah. important. And, it, and what we often say is this is a minimalist model as opposed to instruction, which tends to be a, frankly, pile on model. We do a lot of stuff. We cover things they may not know yet. We do all these storytelling and acronym, and, which are all essential to instruction. But when someone's in the workflow and is facing a problem in particular, they want to get back to work instinctively, intrinsically, as efficiently and as quickly and obviously correctly as possible. So this just enough principle, which, we, you, again, is another podcast about the performance support pyramid, is an essential thing that I think we as instructors and designers have a hard time doing. Yeah, that's why we talked about two clicks, 10 seconds. The two clicks is getting to it. The 10 seconds is the time <laughs> that it takes for me then to be doing something about it. And so we really do need to be able to get in the context of my particular need to just what I need at my moment of need that will help me get the job done and in the process, learn by doing. And you know what the pyramid speaks to, Con, that I think we don't get is that our tools have frankly been very limited. We have the classroom, we have e-learning, we may have virtual instructor-led, but the reality is those are very similar models in different modalities. What has surprised me again in my learning is that when you open up the door to all the support and information assets, different assets do different things. A job aid is very different than a video. An FAQ is very different than a coach. I may find the right answer in all four of those, but this is where the pyramid comes in. The route to get to the answer in a job aid and the things it does for me cognitively and instructionally are very different than the route to use a video and what it might provide for me. So this idea of the right kind of asset and understanding the time to consume, the level of complexity, the degree to which they instruct or inform or don't instruct or inform is really the art of orchestrating them effectively. Yeah, and we call that cascading levels of support. It's where you move down the pyramid based upon your particular needs, but you're able to drive deeper to more complexity as it makes sense. So you start very simply, and then you move to the greater complexity in terms of the resources that you need based upon those cascading levels of support requirements. So, friend, let's wrap up the principal part anyway, or at least these fundamental four ones with one that I know is near and dear to your heart. Content management, aggregating content, (laughs) currency, trustworthiness, maintenance. So these principles are sort of foundationally building one on the other. But in the end, if what I call up is wrong or what I call up is old, I would never go back. Why would I do that if I'm in the workflow and trying to survive and keep my job? Tell us a bit more about this discipline around currency and trustworthiness of content. This is the elephant in the room, the whole world of keeping solutions current. When you step into the workflow, there's no room for people to be getting to something and for it to be inaccurate. Hmm. We've got to keep the solution meaningful and vibrant and up to date. The good news is that performance support methodology and technology can enable that in ways that we haven't been able to. But you have to bring to this world of workflow learning, strong content management practices. You can't ignore it. And you've got to step in and partner with the business in that journey, or you're going to fail. These solutions have to be owned by the organization, have to be owned by 
the very people that we're serving. It's a different world than we're used to in the world of learning because, frankly, we've been used to just bringing people into our training world. We own the turf, and we can control and manage keeping our training up to date. But when you step into workflow learning, you're, you're in their world. You're in the world of the organization and the business, and we've got to have practices that let us partner with the business in keeping things current and vibrant and meaningful. Yeah. I mean, in many cases, we borrow their stuff. Oh, yeah. They're in the workflow. They create remarkable FAQs. They create remarkable job aids. They have remarkable SOPs and all these things that marketing and they make. The problem is we're going to aggregate those. We're going to borrow those in the performance support pyramid, but we should never own those. Yeah. So to your point, Khan, how rigorous, how often, frequency, ownership, cascading responsibility, versioning, this yeah. becomes a much bigger issue that we have to oversee than we've ever done before. Yeah, and here's the good news that as we engage and involve the right kind of technology to help us do that, which is very helpful. What we find, though, is that the business is more than happy to engage and participate in that because we're delivering real value Mm -hmm. and it's seen and felt. So it's exciting to see. So that kind of leads us into the last couple of things here as we wrap up, and that is the wrapper around all this is performance support. Right. I mean, workflow learning is the discipline, if you will. It's the world we're trying to enter into. Performance support is the enabler of this entire thing. But again, a misunderstood word, Con. In our grandfather's days or those type of stuff, performance support was a job aid. It was a three by five card we laminated. And that was about as mature as we ever viewed it. Or it was the course material that had an index in the back. Well, those days are gone. Performance support is this remarkable overarching discipline that today has remarkable tools, electronic performance support systems, adaptive learning systems, learning experience platforms. These are the hammer, nail, and saw of the day in this discipline. But frankly, to our industry, we are blind to their capabilities and what they can do. Yeah, we have tended to define performance support by its deliverables, not Mm. by the discipline. But performance support is the practice of delivering just what you need at the moment of need to get the job done. And the tools that we use to do that can vary. So we have to understand that. But as you said, Bob, performance support, the discipline of performance support is the means by which we can deliver true workflow learning, not just learning something for the first time or even learning more about some aspect of my work, but enabling me to grow in my experience and depth and capacity in the work that I do. And this is where I think we've often fallen short in our understanding of workflow learning. Workflow learning isn't just about making sure that people learn something for the first time, which is very important, or learning more, as I've said, but it's about being there Supporting individuals as they truly learn through the experience of the job. One of the most popular podcasts, Con, is Train, Transfer, Sustain. It's almost two to one to the rest of our podcasts. Because, again, if you haven't listened to it, please do. It's a fundamental idea of how a learner truly journeys through remaining competent and performing well. What we're talking about here is sustainment. Yep. Right. Sustainment is so misunderstood. What if you become known in your organization as the department that not only gets people started, but that empowers them to grow independent of you? 
Th- oh. let, let that sit for a second, right? Yeah. How how invaluable do you become? You don't become obsolete. They, they don't they don't move on and never need you again. That's a very again here we go myopic, frankly defensive view of this. No, people who do this well are busier than we've ever been. But the reality is when you're known as the enabler to performance and not just to your point to reach people to an initial stage of competency, but to then enable them to go beyond that on their own and become more competent, more enabled through their own learning, their own experience with the performance support you provide. You are a rock star to the outcomes that an organization is trying to get. Oh, yeah. I've mentioned in a blog article some time ago, I have a nephew that got hit in the face by a baseball that required him to have his entire face rebuilt. The doctor who did that surgery said it was the worst that he'd ever seen, but he had done over a thousand rebuilds of faces. He -hmm. had that experience. He had met many challenges, none that great. But a softball at 100 miles an hour can do great damage. Mm. But that experience allowed him to solve that need in a remarkable way. And we forget about growth and development, experiential learning as being a part of our discipline. But it's a big part. And you can only enable that with performance support, yep. you know, the, the supporting people in the development of experience. We're not throwing them in the deep end here. And that's, no. again, a misunderstanding is that once we walk away from moments one and two, we're letting three through five be happenstance. We are not saying that. We are orchestrating and creating a structure in three through five when, yes, we're not literally sitting there over their shoulder, but we are clearly, if you will, there in yep. helping and supporting them. But the learner grows and matures and our work continues. Yep. Like we said earlier, that thing needs maintenance. That thing needs to change. That thing needs to, all that stuff. So we're still going to have work to do, but it's not going to be level two class, level three class, level four class, yep. filling our LMSs with e-learnings. So yep. friend, last but not least, let's wrap up with this last thing. Because there's one thing I want to be sure we run at, and that is we hear this all the time, that, you know, we have workflow learning because we have this really remarkable coaching program. (laughs) Now, let's start off by a disclaimer. We are not knocking coaching programs. Oh, yeah. But in the context of what we just got through saying, uh, an independent learner that grows in and of themselves, that is not what a coaching program does. Right. A A coaching program, by definition, is one person helping or coaching another. So let's talk about, if you look at the pyramid, frankly why we put people resources last. We lo- Again, we love people, but the reason we put them last in order is for what reason, Con? What are the drawbacks, so to speak, frankly, although they're wonderful, of coaching as a lead or tip of the sword? We've been talking about those principles, right? Embedded. A coach can be tough to come by. A coach <laughs> isn't always there just at my moment of need. Contextual. Again, Right when I'm there, the cost of having that contextual support is so high. Mm. You know, I'm tying down another human being to be there to coach me. And so and then (laughs) coaches, depending upon the day, they can be very good or they can just (laughs) take me uh, to to places that I had not to go. Sure, coaching is a very powerful thing, but you can't scale that out to and meet all of the needs that people need in terms of workflow learning. It's just not going to happen. 
they're, they're, they can be very helpful, particularly for those tasks and skill areas where the critical impact of failure is significant to catastrophic. You know, you can be helpful, but you doggone better have those coaches shored up so mm-hmm. that they're coaching in the right way. And that's another discussion for us to have. Plenty of podcasts to come. But again, fundamentally, friends, this discussion, which we have to continue beyond this podcast around what truly is workflow learning and therefore how do we design it well, is fundamental to going forward in the five moments and effectively doing this. Con, my friend, thank you as always. Great having you here. Uh, There's more to come. Thanks, Bob. Well, that's it for this episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at BMOSH, as well as our Five Moments of Need website, which is www.5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.